Our next guest is easy. One of the hardest working guys in the sport, but also one of the best analysts, you know, from his excellent work on CBS Sports Showtime. And of course, Morning Combat with him and Brian Campbell are currently balls deep in the excellent Canelo Plant Fight Week coverage, man. I can't wait for this one as well, man. It's going to be such a big boxing match. The Silver Fox of MMA, the Richard Gear of Submission Radio is back in the house. Luke Thomas, welcome back to your MMA equivalent of ping in the public pool when nobody's watching. A guilty pleasure. How are you, man? It is one of the guiltiest pleasures, yet one of the simplest. And in that way, it's great. Hi, boys. How you doing? Yeah, nice good. to be back. <laughs> very good, very good. I figured we'd we'd kick it off on on the right. Now, just quickly before we get balls deep into um, UFC 268, just a quick. Uh, I have to commend you guys, you and uh, Brian. I feel like Morning Combat's really kind of coming into its own. I feel like the vision that you guys kind of set out, it's sort of coming to fruition. You've got Chuck Mindenhall making appearances. You guys are doing the rooftop stuff. I love what you guys are doing, man. Yeah, well, uh, I appreciate that. Thank you. I feel like we still have a very long way to go. We're kind of halfway towards a lot of things that we're working on. But, you know, I guess it takes time. And uh, the good news is going full time gave us some options. But then the pandemic hit. And I mean, I wouldn't be going three days a week to the studio anyway. It just wouldn't work. But um, we finally have put together like a better content plan, like how to like get ahead of these things. And we recorded that rooftop chat with Chuck like three weeks ago. And we were just hoping like, please God, oh, let there yeah. be no injuries. And there still might be, <laughs> but at least by the time we released it, it kind of all worked. And so um, thank you. I appreciate that. And I appreciate everyone who watches or listens to the show or we're, we're trying to do something a little bit different and we hope folks like it. Yeah, man, get get the acceptance speech ready for the uh, World MMA Awards. You guys are nominated, so. Oh, big please. Oh, fucking please. Dude, we went up against like Rogan and I forget, it was like, oh, uh, who? some of their like official UFC. Joe Rogan has like, got nominated for that. Dude, like the Rogan, I think I've like, heard of that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think. I don't think we're going to beat them, but uh, I was surprised to see us even nominated. So that was cool. Well, yeah, look, yeah, I was going to say, man, yeah, you guys are absolutely killing it. And I also love all the social media stuff that you guys do and the personality you guys have. It's really, really awesome to see. But let's get into UFC 268, man, because there are so many big fights to talk about. Uh, since the first fight in the big main event, you know, Kamara Usman has been on an absolute destructive tear. He's knocked out Gilbert Burns and Owen Masvidal. Also beat Mazadal the first time. His technique is better. His power has started to become devastating. And meanwhile, Colby's finished Tyron Woodley in a fight where, you know, we saw better body kicks and head movement. Overall, what would you say have been the biggest improvements from both guys as we go into Madison Square Garden this weekend, Luke? Well, candidly, I don't know what we would say about Colby, which is not to say that there have not been improvements. In fact, I'm certain that there have. And more to the point, even imagine if he had not had sustained the damage, but somehow lost the fight in the way that he had, which I realize is an impossibility. But what I mean to say is if they had had it the very next week, if that was physically even possible, I don't think he would have employed the same strategy. So even if he had the exact same level of ability, the strategy is going to change, I think, accordingly um, with a lot more wrestling being involved there now will he be able to execute that and how will he set it up these are things that remain um somewhat unknown given th th that we didn't see really any of that the first time but um you know candidly there's not really a lot of evidence that that colby has leveled up in some kind of dramatic way we've seen him i think what just the one time since really it's just not been um oh since the pandemic anyway it's not been a lot of tape on him so uh there and, and he did change camps which is something that he and kamaru kind of have in common albeit mm. for very different uh, kind of reasons but 
folks don't realize this, dude. MMA Masters out of Miami, man, this is a very, very good camp. Uh, whether you want to call it the best camp in Florida or wh- however you want to rank it, it is a world-class camp. World-class fighters go there and then come out of there. So um, I'm sure he has leveled up in some way, but the specifics of which are hard to tell. It's the one with Kamaru that really kind of stands out. And I, I've said this every time we bring it up, and I really, I really want to hammer this because I just don't want it to get lost. Dude, Trevor Whitman is entitled to all of the praise um, or virtually all of the praise, praise, I should say, that comes his way. But Kamaru quite literally was a championship level fighter under the tutelage of Henry Hooft. Yes, I think he has leveled up by getting a different look and getting the particular kinds of gifts um, that a coach as smart and as talented and as experienced as Whitman can offer. But um, I just don't want people to lose sight of that. In terms of the specifics of what your question is driving at, I just think a lot better, dude. His movement behind the jab, the way he sets it up, he uh, gets off at angles. He understands fainting much better. His striking feints have gotten better. Folks forget fainting is, in fact, a skill. He always kind of had the threat of that takedown, obviously, but he has much more nimbly woven the two together. Um, uh, His understanding of range is better. Um, And obviously his wrestling has been kind of what it's always been. But to me, the, the boxing has just dramatically come to life. And if you sort of follow the ways in which Trevor Whitman has taught many of his students, or if you just look at his, quite literally, I didn't wear this on purpose, but his BJJ Fanatics um, uh, <laughs> tutorials, what you'll see is this guy is very much about uh, resetting angles, never being 50-50 with an opponent, understanding when to press the gas, understanding when to press the brakes, and Kamaru has taken it like a duck to water. He's made a shit ton of improvement, and I think um, no matter who is across the cage from Kumaru on that Saturday night, they're going to have a hard time. Mm. And I guess with Covington as well, they've probably got a few ideas as to what kind of improvements he might make. But I wonder, do you think there's any advantage in the fact that they don't actually really know what kind of fighter they'll be facing come this weekend? Obviously, they fought him once. Obviously, we've seen his performance against Tyron Woodley. But, you know, this is a guy that obviously improves every time we see him. He's always got that great cardio. He's always sort of gaming in great shape, but you don't really know what kind of improvements or what kind of Colby Covington's going to be in there as he steps in. Do you think there's any sort of kind of, you know, th- improvement there, uh, any kind of, I suppose, surprise thing there that could benefit the Covington? Yes, uh, but but mild. In other words, um, that could benefit again. And I think, by the way, whatever improvements he has made. Like they're not just going to live by themselves. They're going to be baked into the strategy, right? Like if your t- if your bo- if your jab has really improved, or your hook uppercut, or you know some kind of combination from some kind of setup has really come to life, they're going to find a way to weave that into the strategy. So it should be known. But I tend to think that that will only present itself fairly early. Fairly early, I think um, he might have a potential advantage because you are playing a little bit with the unknowns. You know the takedown might be coming. You just don't know when. You don't know what circumstances. You don't know what he's going to do to chain the takedown together, how he might look to abandon it and then just go to get the back, or will he change off to a leg attack? Will he? Come? You, know, you just don't know what to expect in that way and how he all might set it up. I think that part is potentially quite true, as a matter of fact. Like They're going to put Kamaru on his heels potentially quite early, or at least they're going to try, I suspect. Um, But if the fight goes longer, if the strategy didn't work and there's a decent chance Kamara will take at least some of that away from him, I think that will that that advantage will evaporate pretty quickly. It's going to be something early that they can establish. But I don't know that it's going to work over the long haul unless their strategy is just so unique 
and so good they can exact it over the course of five rounds. You know what I mean? So certainly I think Kamaru is going to be a bit on his heels, but Kamaru might come out there and try and set the tone behind what he is doing in the striking department. Um, I do wonder, though, like something that no one's really ever asked or ever thought about is, you know, I don't have we ever seen Kamaru on his back. Like, even if he doesn't stay there for very long, just the sight of Colby potentially hitting some kind of single leg to the back to a mat return to, you know, a Dagestani handcuff and he rolls and all of a sudden Kamaru is on his back. You might be like, holy shit, like, how do we get here? Now, that's not the same as sustained offense over the course of time. And remember, one thing that Colby has really, really, really lacked in his um, – in his game is the biggest piece missing to me is ground and pound. He has not mm. much ground and pound to speak of at all. If you like, go back to the Robbie Lawler fight, you know, there's pitter patter. There's activity. I don't want to say that he's not doing anything. He is doing a shit ton. I mean, it's raining, but uh, it's not pouring and there's no thunder. There's no lightning on top. It's just sort of steady drizzle, right? And that's enough to win the fight. But against Kamara, who can probably get up and you're not hurting him there. See, this is why I think Colby's got a bit of a, not I won't say long shot, but he's kind of up against it because it's hard for me to believe just purely standing he can beat him. Cardio for cardio, Usman's hard to beat. Even if you get him down and you might hold him down, you're not going to beat him up a whole lot while he's down there. The submission threats are real. That remains something hard to anticipate. Gilbert Burns didn't have a whole lot of success with it, but Colby might have a different approach. There are avenues to victory, but they really require a leveled up Colby and a particular strategy and pre-gaming that will have to be just on point to get the job done. So do you think that the wrestling will be a massive part of Colby's success if, if he is to have any? If he's going to adjust his game plan and change things and change the outcome of the fight, how much of it do you think has to be a massive focus on wrestling? Because And that's the fascinating thing, and I hope they wrestle because in the first, you got two of the best wrestlers in the division, mm. and in the first fight, we saw basically zero of it. Do you think that's different this time around? It has to be. It has to be. I mean, to, in, people forget about this. In Colby's defense, man, he got dropped in the fifth. He was on his way to losing. But I, I go back to this all the time. The scores on the judges' tables, whether you agree with them or not, 1-3-3-1-2-2. Dude, that was a live fifth round, man. That was as live as they came. Now, I think Kamaru is just way better. BJJ Scout has a video. If you go back and he compares the jab in the Colby fight to the jab in... I want to say the Burns fight, maybe the second Masvidal fight, either way, but he, he shows you all the ways in which it is now much more nimble, much more effective. So we're not talking about the same things at this point, but dude, like Colby was fucking in there with him and it just wasn't enough in the end. He can complain about the stoppage from Mark Goddard. You can make what you want of that, but he was on his way by the time the fifth round was you know, heading towards its conclusion. He was losing at that point. Up to it though, it was, uh, you know, it was a jump ball. Um, I would say that in looking at that and just being honest, you know, to not, and seeing what Kamaru just did to Jorge. I mean, dude, Kamaru did yeah. to Jorge, like no one does that to Jorge. Jorge has been knocked down. Jorge has been hurt. He, Jorge's lost fights. Okay. But like one hit or quitters on Jorge, that just doesn't happen until it did. Right. So if you're just looking at that and they don't have a wrestling game plan, I would consider that one of the most negligent fucking things I've ever seen. Like you, how do you not, you've got a guy who's got, you know, basically probably as good cardio as the champ, maybe better. We'll have to see. He can wrestle his ass off behind it and doesn't have some tools that he might need to win. But certainly that is like in the plus column. It just, you know, it's glaring neon sign. 
and you didn't get it done striking on the last time. And by the way, the striking is now going to be even more. I mean, how could you not do it? But the question you have to ask yourself, and we don't know, what happens if it doesn't work? Right. You can have all of the rest. Like, you know, he went back to the wrestling um, in the Robbie Lawler fight because Lawler couldn't do shit about it, basically. I mean, not much. Right. Mm. He didn't get ultimately overwhelmed and put on his back and mounted and submitted or something. But he couldn't get Colby off of him. What if Kamaru easily gets Colby off of him? There has to be some kind of other angle to pivot to. So the question is not, are they going to incorporate wrestling? I, I tend to think that they do. The question is, what are they looking for in the openings that Kumaru leaves that give them some potential entries? Is he particularly susceptible to single legs? If there's a certain kind of single leg finish, is it the double? Uh, uh, are there moments to attack as he stance switches? Do you want to attack the stance switch as a way to deter both the stance switch itself and then find a particular opening from a defensive wrestling standpoint? Like there's all these little details there. Um, and I think from that standpoint, they need to have an answer for all of the various contexts they can find themselves in. Because if they just banked on, well, if we can just get Colby to get two hands around the waist and that will take care of itself. You know, I think they're going to have a long night or potentially a short one, but not not the one they're planning. So the mental battles going into the fight as well, Luca. Uh, there should be some explosive back and forth <laughs> during fight week. I already see Kamar Usman, though, already sort of saying that he kind of respects Covington. It looks like he's already getting ready for the fact that, you know, Covington's going to be throwing a lot of stuff his way and he's looking to sort of level himself off a little bit, not get too emotional. Um, if you're Covington, obviously you want to try and get Kamar Usman as emotional as possible to try and make as many mistakes on fight night as possible. But what are you expecting from this sort of clash of, of minds and uh, I suppose trash talk as we go into the fight. Do you think it's going to be anything out of the ordinary from what we saw in the first one? And after Kamaru Usman sort of been in there with all these guys and done all this stuff, do you think he's kind of leveled up a little bit mentally as well in, in terms of dealing with all these kinds of trash talky situations? They've both been yeah, very quiet leading into this one. Just yes. Silent. Totally. I, 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 we, when we had Chuck on the rooftop, we talked about it. It's like, dude, you know, the first time there, what we thought it was going to be I mean, I hate to put in these terms, but we were like, is there going to be some kind of like racial component here? Mm -hmm. Like how, wait, where is this going? We think, you know, where is this going to go? And of course it never got quite to, um, the ugliest of levels that were imaginable. Although I wouldn't call it the friendliest trash talk I've ever seen. But, um, this time around, you don't see a whole lot. Dude, this one for me has flipped and I don't know if folks out there feel the same. I, I, I don't pretend to know this. I'm just telling you what I feel. Your mileage may vary. But to me, this feels like the trash talk and stuff like do Kamaru. I, I, I don't know his political worldview, but I tend to f believe it's probably a lot more similar to Colby's than people want to imagine. There was a lot of people who disliked Colby and the whole Donald Trump MAGA thing and wanted Kamaru, the 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 you know, the the, the black immigrant to be something for them or for some kind of message because of their political preferences. And, you know, you can like that or you can hate that, but I don't see a lot of that this time. I don't know that Kamaru has really distanced himself from some of the exact same views that Colby has. To me, it's not really about that this time, quite thank God. To me, dude, this is all about legacy, big time, big time, big time, big time. And I think both guys are feeling it. Colby got back here, right? And he talked his way a little bit back here, but he earned his way a little bit back here. But dude, if you don't beat Kamaru this time, you ain't getting any younger. Here comes Hamzat, Hamzat Shemaev, mm. like a fucking freight train through the rankings. Like if you're going to get the belt, dude, it's time. 
conversely, if you're Kamar Usman, dude, this guy just striking put you through the ringer last time. He got it done. He got it done. He got it done emphatically by the time he got his hand raised. But that was a tough-ass fight. They would both tell you the same. You have to assume on some level, even if it's not true, if you're Kamaru, just from a competitive standpoint, you just have to assume your opponent is going to be better this time, right? Just, just as a matter of precaution. And, dude, this we're talking about a guy in Kamaru Usman. I don't know why there's not enough discussion of this. He is headed, he's not there yet. And I think even with this Colby win, he's not there yet. But he's not that far from what St. Pierre did. And I think we just need to say that out loud. We're talking about a guy at welterweight who is doing absolutely incredible things. And his foe, he might beat twice. He had to beat Masvidal twice. He has got to beat, he's got to beat a lot of these guys a couple of times because that same generation is coming through again. That's exactly what St. Pierre did. Generation after generation, or the best guys of his generation getting a couple of tries. And he had to whack-a-mole all of them down. And you get enough <laughs> of those, and you begin to be like, wow, dude, this guy's doing something very special, 170 pounds. That's what this to me is all about i think both guys in their own way with their own set of challenges are feeling that and that's why there's trash talk it could get ugly it probably will on some level both guys are pretty intense there's a lot at stake but it's about those stakes it's about the fight itself which is which is it was the first time but everyone else wanted it to be something more than what it was now we boiled it down to mano y mano saturday night new york city Madison Square Garden, <laughs> and maybe one of the best welterweights of all time against maybe his top rival. Folks, this is what th this is what MMA is all about, right here. Mm. And to your point, Luke, just before you go, Dennis, it just it reminds me of like John Jones, you know, where there was this aura of like, hey, you may be good, you may be great, but I'm while I'm around, you'll never be champion, kind of thing. There's a lot of guys fighting for that kind of second position, so to speak. And Luke, speaking of fight week, I mean, we see with uh, the New York Knicks, Madison Square Garden is one of the rowdiest places in the NBA. Who do you think the crowd's booing and who do you think the crowd's cheering as we go into here? Because Calvary Covington, he's really built a really big fan base, um, even bigger so compared to that first fight. Yes, that's true. I mean, here's the only part about that, though. Um, there will be lots of people who travel to this event, but... <sighs> Fuck, I even hate to bring this up, but it is kind of relevant. I think the audience has to be vaccinated, right? Um, that's sadly going to deter some of red state America. New York is already a blue state. And I was, were you guys there for the BMF fight? I can't mm -hmm. remember. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys remember. We like, together. What do you mean? We drank Jorge Masvidal's. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. I drank Jorge Masvidal's leftover. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm a gross human being. But you guys remember, like, there were there were definitely some cheers for Trump, but there was a shitload of booze too. Mm -hmm. Um, just just calling it down the middle. And Joe Rogan said the exact same thing. So you know, it, the the ten the, the the state tends to um, uh, skew um, uh, politically in a way that would maybe give Colby more booze than cheers maybe kamaru i think i think also one thing we're not bringing up is i remember after the kamaru knockout of jorge i was met i was like wow dude that was like super special what he just did and then i noticed i started seeing him on bigger and bigger shows and podcasts and he was on hot ones as soon as i saw kamaru mm. on hot ones you guys know the the hot wing show yeah we met sean evans that's right. Oh, okay, okay, cool. So uh, once know I saw anything about us, look, I thought you knew us, you know, <laughs> don't remember us. Don't I'm know sorry. Sorry. I saw Evans randomly on the street. Don't know I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, but I was just going to point out, like, once Kumaru 
hit that, I was like, oh, okay. So he's leveled up in popularity mm. now. Once you start getting invites like that, you're really beginning to leave the sort of the MMA sphere in a big way. I think Kumaru is also not just a better fighter than he once was. Um, Colby is more popular. There's no denying that relative to the first fight. But I think Kumaru is also really leveled up in terms of being a popular and celebrated attraction in mixed martial arts. So there'll be both, I think, a couple of different ways. But I think Kumaru will probably get a few more cheers. 100% agree with you about uh, the Hot Ones thing. When I saw that, I was like, wow, Usman on Hot Ones. Jesus, mm. Ali pulling some strings. Um, but, and, <laughs> and also, like, I think it just just quickly, we'll move off this fight in a second, but I think one of the reasons why Colby is not promoting his, his, in his usual style is I just think it's the mentality of like, well, you're not paying me to. When we spoke to him, you know, we asked if he's getting, you know, an incredible rate or pay-per-view buyers or anything, and he said no. So I think he's kind of like, look, I've done that. I'm not going to do it this time. There's no point. There's no, there's no incentive for me. It's not like people don't know who he is. He's, he's already, you know, he's done his thing. Um, but as far as what's next, I mean, if Leon beats Jorge, do you think he'll finally get the next title shot or say if Jorge beats Leon, he could have a huge fight against Colby. I mean, the, the interest for an Usman Masvidal rematch, it just wouldn't be there at all. So you think the UFC would just, do you think maybe they just give it to, to Hamzat? You know, or if Colby wins, would they do the trilogy fight immediately afterwards? Something that Colby actually said that he would like to do. Yeah, I think if Colby wins, the trilogy is probably likely. Um, and then maybe if, you build up Hamza in the oop, background if if Jorge wins right. again. That's exactly. Right. There's a couple of different options you could play with there uh, once once that gets going. But let's say uh, Usman wins. What do you do? See. I mean, look, guys, it's not hard to make a case, especially if uh, Edwards beats Masvidal. Like, is it hard to make a case for him for a title shot? No, it's mm. super easy. It's it's very, very straightforward. It's like, well, just look. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to make that uh, that might make that argument. But a couple things, man. One, Usman already beat him. Uh, he beat him in a way that was not ambiguous. It's hard for me to know. What would be different this time? Now, again, I've, I'll said on this very show that doesn't necessarily mean a guy shouldn't get a title shot. If there is a deserving contender and a uh, uh, available champion, sometimes you just have to defend it against the person most deserving. But from a box office standpoint, that doesn't do shit for him, and um, he already beat him. So there's that's one problem. The second problem is that you 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 said it right there, dude. Hamza Chimaev. I mean, that buzz saw he turned over for um, the fight against uh, the the leech. I mean. Guys, it just doesn't come much better than that. It doesn't come much more authoritative than that. That is just remarkable to the nth degree. And if he gets some other fight, whether it's Nate Diaz or maybe he doesn't even get another fight, he is a the Hamzat is the wild card of all wild card. I don't think it's likely that he leapfrogs Edwards, but dude, there's a there's a scenario where if Colby wins and Edwards beats Masvidal, they might just run the Edwards Hamzat fight, which didn't happen, but tried to get the first time around. They might just go back that thing, and then yeah. he wins that one. You know, there's a lot of ways you can go. Let me change my headphones because they're uh, they this one died on me apparently. So I mean, again, I don't I don't also think that Hamzat Leon is also the likeliest thing. I mean, it's 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 hard to know exactly. Yes, Edwards is deserving, but there are a couple of possible permutations that could still get in the way of what Edwards is owed, especially if Hamzat has let's say a fight against Magny and just dusts him. Mm. I'm not saying he will, but let's say that he does theoretically, and then theoretically Edwards beats Masvidal, but it's kind of ho hum. Dude, anything is possible at that point. 
Yeah, 100%, man. Dude, I can't wait for this weekend. Such great fights. Uh, big question, though. Where are you watching UFC 268? Are you going to be illegally streaming it like some kind of scoundrel? Don't do that. Are you buying the pay-per-view? Well, you could, but you work hard for your money. So what's better now that lockdown is over, especially here in Australia, than going to the pub, having a few cheeky pints with the boys? It's 1 p.m. this Sunday, so perfect time to start drinking. But then the question becomes, which pub? Who's showing the fights? Who's got commentary? Is there volume? Is there not? Can you eat food there? What's happening? All these questions, all these uh, answers answered with Match Pint, uh, your best mate for sport. Uh, you go on the app. I'll show you right now, right? Basically, it shows you all the nearest pubs uh, that are showing the fights near you. You don't have to call around and ring them and ask them, are you showing the fights? You're not showing the fights. I've got the app right here. You go UFC 268. It shows the prelims. You can even check who's showing the prelims. Let's go to the main card. We'll go straight into it. And then it's going to go based on uh, the maps, whatever's nearest. All right. Hampton Park Tavern, the Sporting Globe Doncaster, the Amstel Club, the Skinny Dog. Not not mm. this time. Not this time, Skinny Dog. The Swan <laughs> Hotel. I like the Swan Hotel in Richmond. Oh, legendary place, yeah. Old stomping ground of Dennis. There we go. It's rated <laughs> 3.8. You can rate it. Exceptional food, huge screen, great service. That's good. It's closed at the moment because uh, it's the morning. Located. There you go. You got the location. If you click the map button, it'll take you straight there. Bang. Opens up Google Maps. You got directions. I'm not going to do it because I don't want you guys knowing where I live at the moment. <laughs> Features 10 screens, commentary, service, food, garden, pet friendly. There you go. So look, there's even legends of the local. Everything you need to know. Uh, no more ringing around. Match pint. Without a doubt, your best mate for sport. Yeah, that's right, man. So jump in the description below, guys. Click the link and download it today. Have a legendary weekend on Match Pint with UFC 268. What a perfect way to get back amongst it with the boys, Cass. Can't believe it. And they got the pet thing there. So uh, Milo and Winston, our dogs, uh, can join the action this weekend. So I can't wait for us to find a nice place to have a pint and watch a bit of UFC ourselves. But guys, speaking of UFC 268, after you guys find a place to watch it, why not make some serious money on the fight. So many crazy matchups to make money on. So many great odds. So many great opportunities to walk away as the real winner this weekend with some cash in your pocket. There is only one place to go, and that is my bookie. Double your first deposit today with code word submission. My bookie will look after you. The best bets, the best props, the best business in the game. Go out there, make sure you make some cash in UFC 268 this weekend with my bookie and that code word submission. That's right. Make a bit of Make a bit of change, especially as holidays are just around the corner. You're going to be buying everybody Christmas presents. Uh, it's that time already. And Christmas has come early with our good friends at Manscaped. Uh, look, you know, summer's... I think we're going to have to take a break from the, the winter jackets because it's freaking hot this morning. I'm sweating up a storm and uh, I need to go and, uh, you know, shave the old beans, if you know what I mean, with the world's greatest, the pound for pound best grooming tool on the market. Uh, you don't want to be going to the beach and have Santa's beard hanging out of your, your shorts or your swimming togs. So use lawnmower 4.0, 7,000 RPM of pure power, the skin safe technology. You're not going to be, uh, you know, going to the beach and coming out of the water like you just got bitten by jaws from all the uh, nicks and cuts on your balls skin safe technology won't cut you plenty of different guards so you can uh, you know texture things if you want the travel lock so it doesn't go off in your bag the led light it's waterproof you can shave at the beach if you want they're probably not <laughs> recommended uh, up to 90 minutes of battery life the 4.0 it's got a mad charger it's just wireless to charging you just chuck it on there it's charging in the background always action ready and the performance package 4.0 
also comes with the crop preserver and the crop reviver, the anti-chafing ball deodorant, moisturizer and toner, which is very important for the boys. Also the uh, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, uh, some underwear and the shed travel bag to, you know, carry all around. And uh, they got a cheeky discount, so why not get one for you and even one for a mate? And there you go, Christmas holidays sorted. Get it for the whole family if you want. That's right, man. And in the fight game, reach is everything. So I want to get a couple of inches, thanks to Manscaped. And the promo code submission that gets you 20% off and free shipping today. That's the promo code submission, 20% off and free shipping today. Get onto it now because, you know, the post is crazy right now. You don't want to take any risks this holiday season. Get onto your Manscaped now. Get your gifts ready and have an amazing Christmas thanks to Manscaped. But, Luke, let's quickly talk about Rosinama Yunus versus Whaley Zhang, man, because obviously this is going to be another fight that people are really, really looking forward to. What's your take on this one, man, especially with – I guess I, th- I think a lot of people are really, really looking forward to this one, Luke. Like, this is one of those fights that a lot of people are saying, yeah, like, we're looking forward to the Colby Covington-Usman fight. But, you know, this is what this, this is pegged for us as possibly a fight that could be one of the fights of the night. And just, just quickly, also, what do you think of the mentality of Wei Li Zhang? Because one of the narratives has essentially been the excuses of Wei Li. You know, the weight cut, the crowd being loud and the booze, and then uh, Weidman breaking his leg. It, you've, you've seen this shift in terms of fans who kind of were like, Wei Li Zhang is awesome, what, what's not to like? And people kind of soured on her a little bit in almost a, a Deontay Wilder kind of sense. Although... To her credit, she's changed a lot of things. She's now training with uh, Cejudo and uh, Figueredo and those guys at um, Ready MMA, I think it is, in Arizona. Yeah, I, the, the the turning, uh, partly it was that Rose is, Rose is, uh, they're not equivalent in who they are, but they occupy, if you wanted to like split it by gender, they occupy the same kind of space in the hearts of fans, which is to say Rose has this kind of, uh, again, she's completely different than them, but she kind of feels like that the attachment that the hardcore community has to her feels uh, as strongly and almost as possessively as it is towards the Diaz brothers. Mm. Again, she's not a female Diaz brother. That is not at all what I am saying, but that there are this kind of iconic totally outside the, you know, Rose is utterly unlike many of her peers and the way she approaches life and blah, blah, blah. And, and then she fights with like a demon and everyone just sort of comes to life. Um, and fans fucking love her, dude. They love Rose Nama Yunus, even if she's not the most popular, the ones who know her just are super attached to her. So partly Wiley's problem was that she just fought someone who was not just loved, but adored by fans. I think that was one of her problems. And then, you know, Rose made it, I I sort of understand what Rose's point was, the communist comment. Um, I, I did not find that to be xenophobic in the way that others might have, but it was something of a, I won't call it clumsy, but perhaps, um, you know, a comment that could be construed in a way that was, uh, designed to be insulting in a political way. And it sort of it raises these culture war battles and, and you know, everything just kind of gets muddied. And maybe she got uh, Zhang Wali, maybe she got um, pulled into that. I, uh, you know, who's to say? Because to your point, you know, she was well liked before that. And also she was coming off of, in my opinion, the greatest women's fight in mixed martial arts mm-hmm. history. So to me, it was the it, Rose is such a protected, not by the media per se, but by the fan base, I think. It's, I mean, her, the attachment they have to her is profound. And so she just got caught on the wrong side of that. But I do think this fight has the potential to be uh, extraordinary. And again, something I mentioned previously, I don't think I've ever seen this at this level where she, Rose Namajunas, has to fight 
three opponents six times in in a pair in th- uh, three sets of pairs, mm. right? So it's Joanna, Joanna, Jessica, Jessica, now Zhang, Zhang, all back to back to back to back to back to back like that. That is extremely unusual, and it also shows that UFC management is listening to the fan base and putting her in these very relevant fights um, that they want to see her in. And of course, more often than not, she performs. It's just insane because you got, you know, Colby and Kamaru, who's, you know, that was like a fight of the year candidate. Then you got this one and assuming that it goes longer than the first one could very well be another fight of the year candidate. You know, we might be seeing, you know, kind of like a Joanna Zhang part two, essentially in this fight. And then you've got Michael Chandler and Justin Gaethje as well, which is like, how can that not be a fight of the year candidate? You know, both guys, they go to war, both have crazy power, both have excellent wrestling. I guess Chandler is sort of more offensive than Gaethje is with his wrestling slightly. The main edge is probably Gaethje's uh, leg kicks, even though Chandler has some great kicks. Um, we'll speed through this a little bit because uh, I think uh, I think we blew our time budget on the Colby uh, Kamaru fight, and it's getting late in New York for you, Luke. But who are you leaning to? I'm okay. You're all right. All right. Cool. Cool. All right. Another another thirty minutes. No, just kidding. Uh, who are you leaning towards in this one? Because I just feel like they're both gonna go. They're both gonna crash into each other. The the only thing is, Gaethje's defense has improved drastically over the last few fights, and he's really got these nice counters. And uh, you could definitely see a situation where Chandler just kind of charges forward, and Gaethje slips off and and hits him with one. Who are you leaning towards here? And how how big of a factor do you think those kicks are? Uh, real quick, just one last note on the co-main. Mm-hmm. If you go back to those three sets of pairs, the first fight of each pair was always the sh- was always shorter than the second fight. Mm-hmm. So in the first Joanna fight, it was one round. In the second, it was five. First Jessica fight, less than two. Second fight with Jessica, the entire distance. First fight with Zhang, one round. If past is prologue, I would expect a much different fight this time, although Rose might end up winning it just the same. Okay, but you're asking about the future fight now between the two lightweights. Um, everything you said is correct, but I would add two points to that. One, we should not lose sight of the fact that Michael Chandler uh, outstruck Dan Hooker. Now, he didn't outstrike him for 15 minutes. He didn't beat him in a kickboxing bout. I'm not saying that he has overall more striking skill, but styles do make fights. He went low. He went low. He if you go back and you watch the tape, I did a whole thing on it. Uh, Henry Hooft even messaged me and told me I did a good job. This is a true story. Nice. Um, you go back and you look at the eyes of Michael Chandler. He's looking down and Hooker follows. And that's when that one, after he switches stances, and now as Hooker moves into it, um, he catches him up up top. Dude, that, that that's high level. Look at how he beat, after switching stances, Benson Henderson to get into the UFC. So... This 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 narrative about Justin Gaethje being different is entirely true. There's not a thing wrong about it. But I think people have lost sight a little bit about the fact that Michael Chandler is a vastly improved version of himself, too. This is not the guy that kind of just bulldozed his way past Eddie Alvarez in Bellator. This is a much more sophisticated guy, although I think he still leans into some of his athleticism and some of his strengths, which is probably the right call. The one thing that uh, – so I mentioned I had two things. The other thing that I think is not being uh, accounted for here is – durability. Now, what we know about it is that uh, both guys are insanely tough. I don't mean to say otherwise, but you can't take as much punishment as the both of them have and then just be as normal as you ever were. I don't think they would tell you that. And if they are, they're probably not being honest with themselves. I think those guys have been in some fucking tough ass fights. And I think it has worn to this point a little bit more on Michael Chandler. Um, He has been stopped with strikes. So has Gaethje. But 
uh, it took a lot more effort to get him there. Now, it's also true that Chandler has been in fights like the second Alvarez fight where he took a ton of punishment and then just gutted his way through. I'm not here to say, you know, you, you never know which punch is going to sit someone down. But if I had to be like if you had to rank one or two who's got who has shown more durability over time, I would say it's Justin Gaethje. It's relevant with two offensive powerhouses. You have to ask how sturdy are they under that kind of firepower? The only other caveat to that, though, would be that Justin Gaethje, while he has shown more durability, has also taken a fucking metric ton Mm. of punishment. And at some point, the bottom's going to drop out on that if he keeps going. It's just that he's had a long layoff. And even in that Nurmagomedov fight, he didn't really take hardly any abuse. You know what I mean? It wasn't a tough-ass fight at all, whereas Chandler's coming off of a TKO loss, right? So, uh, which is much sooner, too. So, I do think that when you're talking about two guys with this much horsepower in their offense, asking how durable they are is not unfair. And and I would have to lean towards Gaethje if, if that ends up being the deciding factor. Would you rather the winner gets the next title shot, Luke, or uh, Islam, especially if Oliveira and Chandler both win? Yeah, I, to me, I don't even think about the Chandler and Gaethje guys as the title shot guys. I mean, I, I I realize that they're relevant and they're up there, but to me, it's like Islam. You know, I don't even know how like we're debating this. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't like. I. It's not that I don't care what Justin and Michael do on Saturday. I I care deeply, but I don't care how impressively they win. None of them are jumping Islam in the queue to me. Right? For on my personal queue, I'll see what UFC ends up doing. Um, I will tell you though that like if you're asking me what is the most interesting permutation that could happen or which one I'm hoping for. It's not that I don't, I would actually prefer Dustin Poirier win um, the title against Oliveira because I just think a guy who's been that dedicated to the sport and has been such an ambassador for it, quite frankly, and has lived the values of, of a, of a, of a prize fighter, but a martial artist as well. It'd be nice to see some real hardware strapped around his waist. But in just thinking about the most interesting fights possible, to me, Oliveira and Makachev is quite interesting because I don't exactly know how that one might go on the floor. You could imagine Makachev um, is a phenomenal grappler, but Oliveira might might give him some problems. And on the feet, the old Oliveira would probably be overwhelmed by this Makachev, but the new Oliveira... He's pretty tough, actually. He punched Kevin Lee's lights out. You know what I mean? He can mm. hold and, and Michael Chandler. He can hold his own. So um that to me, the Oliveira versus Makachev fight, that's the one I I would like to see most. But I how everything goes and which way the wind blows, hard to say. Hundred percent. Man, there's so many sexy fights on this card. You got Alex Pereira also making his debut. You gotta think, man, like if if that guy wins. Uh, you know, we could be seeing him fast track to potentially an Israel Adesanya fight. If Israel's even in the division, uh, who knows? He might be up at light heavyweight. But uh, he's got Robert Whitaker ahead of him as well. So so many unknowns there. Other sexy fights are obviously Marlon Vera, Frankie Edgar, Shane Burgos, Billy Quarantillo. You got Ally Quinta, Bobby Green, Edmund Shabazian, Ian Gary. Lots to love there. But there he is, the guy. Follow the man at L Thomas News at Morning Combat. And of course, Morning Combat every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern. And for all the Aussies, and and the night hours, it's 1 a.m. Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday nights in Australia. I know you joke, Luke. You're like, oh, prime time. But hey, man, I'm I'm only like a year away from being a lifelong uh, night owl. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot There's a lot of people awake at that time. Give the Morning Combat YouTube channel a sub. Congrats on the 100K. And uh, love everything you guys do, Luke. Appreciate your time, man. Well, congrats on the 200K. And I appreciate the invite. Thanks, Luke. Always fun with you, man.
Imagine a world where animals and humans coexist in harmony, where wild animals thrive, habitats are protected, and marginalized communities are empowered. At International Animal Rescue, this is our vision. Our holistic, community-led projects not only rescue animals, but also protect and replenish precious habitats, creating a better future for us all. But we can't do this without you. Show your support now and help keep the wild, wild. Visit internationalanimalrescue.org.